Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Hasn't been a great July for cryptocurrency. Despite Bitcoin struggles this year, though, the world's most popular cryptocurrency is up about 14% this year. It has been stuck in a range, hasn't it, between about 30,000 and 40,000 for weeks after it reached an all-time high near $65,000. Bitcoin was trading at around 3% lower, $33,245.70. Ether, the the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap and Dogecoin declined over 5% each over the last 24 hours to about $2,023 for Ether, 20 cents for Dogecoin. Cryptocurrency investment products and funds posted outflows to start the second half of the year. There seems to be cautious sentiment in the midst of quite a lull, according to data from digital asset manager CoinShares that was released just yesterday. We've seen trading volumes at major cryptocurrency exchanges falling by some more than 40% in June. So the crypto plunge, all you need to know with our expert. He is Krishna Ramachandra, Chairman of Selvam LLC, Managing Director at Dwayne Morris and Selvam, Senior Strategic Advisor for Digitalization and Esports for Densu Sports Asia. He is a corporate finance lawyer and a leading digitalization and blockchain expert. Krishna, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. All right. Help us understand what's going on in crypto markets. So we're seeing <laughs> trading volumes falling by more than 40%. Are, are mm-hmm. people taking risk off the table? What's happening? I think most people are licking their wounds. Uh, even some of the uh, the more experienced traders uh, uh, got it wrong or did not uh, predict um, the uh, very sudden um, uh, turn in the market. Um, and, it's, and, and that's expected because, you know, that's very jealously guarded by a few uh, uh, massive whales and uh, they work as a very uh, strong syndicate in that manner. So I think it's just more a case of licking their wounds and uh, regrouping. And I think most people who have got um, who have had some exposure would have uh, flown to safety with some uh, into some stable coins and um, or even parked it into some DeFi uh, protocols where. You know, they just have to, uh, you know, go easy on the dopamine hits and um, and just uh, exercise some patience and um, and and then regroup. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some of those DeFi apps in just a while. So, were you surprised by the recent plunge? Do you expect Bitcoin to continue underperforming stocks? Um, I would say I was a bit surprised at the timing. I'm uh, not surprised at the um, the sudden turnaround um, because it's uh, it's happened historically, um, and um, you know, and all of a sudden everyone was uh, pointing to uh, the white cloth um, uh, pattern as well, uh, and the technical analysts were all coming out and and stating that uh, uh, we have got to follow that pattern going ahead. But I'm not sure because you know. Uh, crypto has its mind of its own, and it uh, it follows no pattern. Um, I'm I'm actually um, more of a, a fundamentalist, uh, uh, you know, looking at on-chain um, analysis as opposed to the uh, the technical analysis, uh, which are price action driven. 
Okay, because everybody was looking at the dramatic rise in the second mm-hmm. half of last year that started then. And I think earlier this year, people were already starting to wonder amidst, you know, such a flurry of negative headlines, uh, worries about Bitcoin's weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. or whether it was uh, a sign that broader acceptance for cryptocurrency was declining, that we saw an increase in regulatory concerns. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think there mm-hmm. is uh, the this, this signals... A, a decline in the acceptance for cryptocurrency as a whole. Uh, no, I, I think um, I think what we need to do is perhaps look at the um, at the significant uh, partnerships that have uh, unfolded over the year. And when you look at that, when you trace back, um, whether it's um, it's um, the um, altcoin protocols uh, tying up with uh, nations, or whether it's um, uh, you've got, uh, I think, Cardano with the, in Ethiopia. With, uh, I think it was uh, Stella in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, all volunteering, if you like, their their protocol. Obviously, having a permissioned uh, uh, segue uh, when it comes to their for the central bank currencies. But you know, we have seen a a good number of partnerships, um, if you like, and uh, I think the biggest one would be. Uh, with NCR, with the, all the ATMs and credit cards being uh, linked up with um, uh, with crypto capability, so that is something I think the um, the wider market has to uh, has to look at and observe, and not just on the um, on the speculative trades that happen because that's if you like uh, more fun and games. Uh, but uh, I think the keen observers and especially the uh, C suites in uh, in corporate should be looking at. Uh, the, the the moves that their their fellow corporates uh, are doing um, overseas and, um, and 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 get with that program and I think the um, uh, the the unnecessary or, or um, I would say too much of a focus on the uh, on just speculative uh, uh, trades uh, is uh, uh, will do no good in terms of the longer term strategy for corporates. Meanwhile, besides lower volatility amongst the factors mm. depressing activity, uh, China continues to persist with its crackdown on Bitcoin mining, a significant headwind, or is it mm. not? Should investors be concerned with China's crackdown on crypto mining, Krishna? Well, well we can actually break it up into a couple of uh, parts uh, in, terms of Chinese, uh, in terms of China's uh, approach to, uh, uh, to crypto and crypto trading. And, you know, as you know, uh, there is absolutely no um, prohibition against uh, holding on to crypto, but the um, the trading of uh, crypto is um, is is not allowed, as well as the um, uh, and now we see mining as well. Mm-hmm. I you know I, I mean you know, I think that the Chinese are just genius. You know they they have such a methodical manner in um, in slowly tightening the screws, and and of course that's a country with capital controls and. You know they are very used to having uh, outflows done in very um, creative manners, uh, and so I think for them this is just the um, you know especially before the uh, uh, the the mass adoption of the uh, uh, the digital uh, central bank digital currency. Um, I think it's good for them to clear uh, clear the slate. Um, but I just I, I did think about this whole Tanping. Um, um, narrative that's been uh, thrown out there, mm-hmm. where um, you know the uh, the youth or the youngsters are seen to be uh, 
uh, taking life too too relaxed and and too easy, uh, and just wanting to um, if you like chill. And um, there may well be. I mean, that's just this is just my theory. There may well just be a uh, a correlation that has been drawn to uh, the spec uh, the gains that one gets from speculation and um, and putting that across the um, the traditional hard work, if you like, that a uh, that a fresh graduate would um, go through uh, in a conventional world. So, so perhaps there's a bit of that as well. You know, with this hundred anniversary and uh, and and looking to um, press the reset button. Who knows? You know, I think there are a lot of things at play. Okay, since China, you know, announced it's. Um coming down hard on cryptocurrency mining. The interesting thing is the constraints on new supply have not Mm -hmm. buoyed prices as you think it would. I mean, Bitcoin mining plunged after Mm -hmm. the new regulations were announced. Uh, We saw the hash rate, uh, Mm -hmm. the combined computing power across the Bitcoin network falling by half. And yet, uh, we haven't seen prices rise given the constraints on new supply. Why is that? Well, actually, that's the genius of the um, of the Bitcoin mathematical formula. It is, you know, directly correlated to the amount of, uh, um, if you like, computing mining power that's out there, and it and it regulates the uh, the difficulty of the uh, mathematical formula. It's just genius, and uh, so that that's a uh, that's a very natural way for it to. Uh, um, I guess if you are a um, if you are a miner outside of uh, uh, China. Uh, it's pretty much a, a, a windfall because you know you're going to be um, you're going to be getting um, um, slightly um, clearer roads, and um, but the time may well be um, uh, may well be e- equaled equaled out if you like because it's just based on the computing power that is available and at that point, and so the mathematical formulas become diff- more difficult or easier. And so that's why you see a very constant supply uh, of the um, of the mined bitcoins. Okay, so as we see industrialized nations maybe tightening regulations mm. on cryptocurrency uh, in part to fight money laundering, we mm-hmm. could be seeing, um, I suppose, this, some growth of the Bitcoin economy in emerging economies. Then, yeah, because you know, if you look at Paraguay or, or if you look at El Salvador, um, you know, these are nations that have um, um, you know, difficulty with your own currency, mm. and um, and you know, in in a sense, for them, it's a it's a very um, it's an almost an appropriate uh, reset button. And you know, mind you, you know, mm. Zimbabwe set the trend, you know, uh, years and years ago when uh, you had uh, pockets of their economy in fact, and then it became pretty widespread where the de facto currency was Bitcoin. Um, and you can expect, I mean, obviously in Zimbabwe with uh, hyper hyper inflation, you know, that's uh, expected. I, I I do think that it is a uh, an alternative for uh, for economies that are, um, to be honest, struggling um, and struggling to uh, hold on to a uh, uh, to a robust monetary policy. Um, and so, you know, the the reset button, um, you know, poses a um, uh, a, a convenient um, methodology to uh, uh, to have its currency, you know, pegged to Bitcoin. But I think. Um, they have not necessarily worked out the um, the the longer term the longer term um, difficulties and challenges because you'll see that they will not have um, 
the full the full slew of monetary and fiscal policies uh, as far as the central government is concerned in terms of um, regulating the 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 price of if you like the currency against the the cost of goods etc so i think that's uh, that's kind of a longer term issue uh, i think uh, most of these nations are just uh, basking in the uh, in the glory of being um, um uh, admired as a a a cutting edge and um, leading narrative uh, uh, nation. And just to add to that point, I think you're seeing some emerging economies, especially those with very few means of earning foreign currencies, really welcoming the cryptocurrency mm. mining industry. Uh, we know Kazakhstan is going to impose a new tax mm-hmm. on crypto miners. In next year, Ukraine has plans to build a data center for mining next to its nuclear power plant. Even El Salvador is mm-hmm. planning to go into the mining business itself as well. All right, let's switch gears a little and talk about what you touched on a little earlier and mm-hmm. that is um, DeFi. So the number of new DeFi user accounts apparently open daily has dropped mm-hmm. to its lowest levels since the embryonic sector started hitting its stride back in September. So do you think DeFi apps are still a lucrative sector? Um, lucrative is a relative word. Uh, I think um, during this period, you, you see that uh, the yields have gone down. And, um, and, and, and to be fair, when it was uh, red hot, when the market was red hot, um, it was almost uh, complimentary to the average trader to actually have uh, some exposure to DeFi and just to dabble in, uh, in, in putting some of their, uh, their portfolio onto uh, these DeFi protocols that uh, would give a double-digit uh, return. Um, but even then, and, and I'm and I'm putting aside this entire discussion on on uh, on, on some of these scam projects, mm-hmm. uh, which I think you know slowly you'll see from uh, um, from 18 months ago to now, it's become a lot more uh, sophisticated and a lot more um, safe, if you like, uh, for uh, uh, the DeFi uh, projects out there. I'm not saying that there are no scams out there, um, but it is a function of a lot more information and education being given out, and uh, and I think you know competition as well. That's always a good thing. I um, I think the DeFi uh, the DeFi scene is just uh, experiencing a very convenient uh, settling period, which is um, um, obviously the um, everyone uh, just taking a breather. And and secondly, I think those uh, DeFi projects which uh, had uh, previously given out or had attempted to give out uh, crazy returns uh, are probably now looking at um, whether they are actually sustainable. And, uh, and that's why I think you have, um, you know, uh, projects now looking creatively to um, other forms of asset classes and, uh, and not, just, not just playing the yield game. Because I think, you know, you've got to look at DeFi as more of um, your freedom to uh, to interact with the financial markets globally, mm, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like you have synthetic um, DeFi projects, which um, which tend to mirror the um, you know some of the um, the Fang stocks. Right. Um, so, so I think you know, just look upon DeFi as, as that, and uh, and it was a very good test for the DeFi projects with uh, with the with the um, with the May nineteen meltdown because you know the liquidations all all took place very efficiently, and there wasn't the um, the uh, the previous um, um, last year's March, uh, I think it was Black Thursday, March 14th, uh, where 
the um, um, it led to some very awkward positions when the liquidations happened. So what I'm seeing is uh, a lot more sophistication in the smart contract, uh, smart, lang- uh, smart contract language um, drafting, um, and people are learning from previous mistakes. Uh, and, uh, and we're just getting a lot more sophisticated in the, in the DeFi space. I wanted to talk about this because just yesterday I was reading the Thai Digital Asset Association warned investors about the risks of investing in DeFi. And the Thai Association saying it can't serve as an intermediary in a legal dispute. This after a decentralized platform called Genesis uh, claimed that it will act as an intermediary for the indemnification for any damage caused by fraud. Now, when we look at DeFi, uh, some say red flags are starting to appear in what has been the most lucrative and volatile sector of the crypto universe, with broad 60% or so declines in decentralized finance. DeFi tokens uh, generally being seen in line with the recent plunge of other digital stalwarts like Bitcoin and Ether, or is something else at work? We're finding out with Krishna Ramachandra. Um, Broadly speaking, if we take a step back, uh, Krishna, Mm -hmm. we know that many DeFi tokens power applications that allow us users uh, to trade crypto or to borrow or to lend crypto without intermediaries. And some of Mm. these tokens are underpinned by stable coins that don't fluctuate very much in value, at least that's the idea behind stable coins. Um, Mm -hmm. What really drives the value of DeFi tokens? Well, it actually does uh, depend on the the protocol, the DeFi protocol and the uh, issuer, because um, you can have... um, you can have, um, if you like, um, projects that give out a um, a very steady yield of seven percent um, over a period of time. Um, Ethereum Foundation gets, uh, gives that out, uh, but uh, I think little is said about the um, when uh, Ethereum two comes out, um, uh, who will be left, um, you know, tending to the inflationary effect of uh, all of those issuances when. Uh, uh, when those um, uh, tokens, uh, when those e- ethers are, are issued out uh, for the um, uh, at the yearly event, um, so that's uh, that's that's one. Uh, but then otherwise, you have uh, some unique projects where they um, they um, I particularly like uh, uh, Yearn um, uh, YFI uh, Yearn Finance uh, because it's um, it's pretty pure in its genesis in terms of how it. Uh, it came about uh, the um, the founder had basically, uh, you know, wanted to create a bot which would go and source the um, the the stable coin which had the uh, the best yield for the day, and then decided that look, you know what, I might as well, might as well do it as a bot and make it collective, uh, and and got the community involved, um, and so actually in my mind the uh, the Wi-Fi is uh, perhaps um, the the only project I've seen after Bitcoin. That has truly, um, you know, retained the um, the the core and pure principles of, um, of what blockchain was meant to represent, which was, you know, trustless, decentralized, or widely distributed, and uh, and still having a consensus mechanism with um, with no party having a a dominance over the issuance of the shares. In fact, you know, he doesn't have the most number of shares. Uh, sorry, tokens. Is so, is your hmm. Wi-Fi based on Ethereum? Um, it uh, they have a combination. They've mm. also created their own token, uh, and it's evolving. And it's uh, and the community the community decides. So that's the beauty of it. And there are only thirty thousand tokens. So there's a 
there is a massive um, um, advantage in uh, uh, for the community adopting that as well. Uh, and I think it's, it's one of those few projects that you know harks back to the uh, to the really altruistic uh, um, notion behind um, the whole blockchain movement in the first place. So mm-hmm. it's um, and 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 brings out the genius of uh, all of these coders who are come up with this amazing um, uh, new ways of um, truly tapping the financial market and being as efficient as you can get. You know, and this is uh, your your case in point about why uh, centralized finance um, really has a uh, you know ha- has to get their act together. I mean, and here I'm referring to the old world uh, financial world as opposed to some of the crypto exchanges that are doing. Uh, uh, central uh, centralized financing through their own platforms. Interesting, the things people are creating. Yeah, Let's go exactly. look up Yearn Finance and Yearn YFI, apparently it is, right? Not Wi-Fi, YFI. All right, let's take a look now at uh, less um, well, I, sobering news, really. Binance, the largest mm. cryptocurrency exchange in the world. Now, we know that there's been a lot of chatter in the crypto community about when they can get money out of their exchanges. Mm. So we mm. know Binance locked users out of the system when Bitcoin plunged in value back in May 19th. Mm. Now, mm. a group of Robinhood users, they want to launch a class action lawsuit, but they're facing mm. difficulty because Binance doesn't have a headquarters. Mm. And this whole question of who do you then petition becomes a difficulty. So help us understand, what do you think investors need to know about trading losses associated with cryptocurrencies and exchanges? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's the, you know, it age old at age that uh, you know you do your homework before and um sure you you might have gotten uh, better uh, margins out of a um a a, a platform like binance and uh, versus uh, let's say coinbase and a whole slew of other services as well from binance but i think i think if you are um, if you are a regular trader and you're not looking at uh, executing massive uh, amounts of trades mm-hmm. and it's just for investment purposes, I, I think net net it still it still does make sense to have the uh, the freedom of um, of um, of using the the, the, the interface with Binance. Yeah, sure. You're not a cold uh, wallet. Um, well, that's if you if you have the uh, if you have the um, the discipline of getting out every time and mm-hmm. you know exactly what you're doing, as opposed to mm-hmm. poking in and out of the market uh, on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. I th- I think you know if you have just some basic housekeeping rules where you um, you're able to um, you know transfer out your your, your tokens to another uh, to another wallet. Um, at the end of the day, so to speak, then you know you do have the freedom of encashing it through some of the other exchanges that you could uh, that you have an account with. Right, right, makes so, a lot you know, of sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and so you'd have the best of both worlds. I, I still think that um, uh, there is um, there is a lot more going uh, with Binance. I, I I do believe they will eventually. Um, um, have their roots in some of the markets, uh, particularly those markets which um, are attractive to them, and and they just they just have such a great volume of uh, of users. And I'm thinking, you know, even beyond just the crypto trading, you know, if if I was sitting on a, a database of uh, users as Binance has, you know, I can be thinking of a huge amount of uh, 
complementary, uh, you know, whether it's um, making offerings on the metaverse and introducing them to virtual um, right. assets as well. Perfect, right? Um, so, you know, I would hold on and uh, and ride out the storm if I was Binance and also just perhaps bite the bullet and um, and have an establishment in a, in a couple of uh, jurisdictions which are a bit more friendly. All right. He's been helping us understand the rapid changes in the cryptocurrency and digital token space. Krishna Ramachandra, my guest this morning in Money and Me, chairman of Selvam LLC, managing director at Dwayne Morrison Selvam LLP and senior strategic advisor for digitalization and esports for Dentsu Sports Asia. Krishna, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.